everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth, and this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. I'm praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers and welcome to another saunter. We are in Genesis chapter 9 today and we're going to pray because that's a good thing to do. (laughs) So Lord Jesus we welcome you as we look at your word now. We ask you to speak to us We ask you to open our hearts up, Lord, and we open our hearts as much as we are able to, and we say, God, will you come and fill us up? Holy Spirit, fill our homes, fill our families, fill our lives, fill our places of work. God, just invade our day in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Dave and Kathy and Alison, Tracy Ann, Fran. Good to see you all. So, uh, Genesis chapter 9 today. And we are just continuing on in the story of Noah. If you remember yesterday, we finished off the session saying that God had made this promise that as while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, they're not going to they're not going to stop. While the earth remains, these things, these seasons are going to continue. And even though we see disruption in weather, weather patterns and so on, the the promise of God remains, and we can take that to the bank, I believe. Um, it's really interesting also to note that the first thing they do, they've been in lockdown for a year, Noah and his family. The first thing they do when they come out is they make an offering to the Lord. Now, <laughs> we've all been in lockdown, or many of us have been in lockdown for chunks of time, and we know how kind of mind-numbing it can be sometimes, and with the limitations uh, and these guys had just been locked down literally in this floating casket <laughs> and it must have felt like a massive coffin at times um, and they, their their movements were so restricted, access to fresh air and all the rest of it, very challenging times and you can imagine when they walk out and there's nothing familiar and it's like a whole new world, a whole new world. It's like this whole new world because the old one has literally been washed away and everything they were familiar with is gone. You can imagine them thinking, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? How are we going to cope with this new, um, this whole new kind of lifestyle? Where do we even start? Goodness me. Good morning, Deepak. Good morning, Flor. Buenos dias. Good morning, George. And so they they would have been thinking all of those things, but the first thing they do is they offer a sacrifice to the Lord. They worship. And do you know what? That's the best thing we can be doing in this season is just offering ourselves back to the Lord, worshiping him, connecting with him, making sure that flow of 
connection is good between us and the Lord. That's that's really really key in this. And whenever we enter a new season or a new chapter of our lives, let's mark it by worship. Anyway, verse nine, uh, cha- verse one of chapter nine, it says, "And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth." And that's exactly the same kind of promise that God made to Noah. Um, sorry, to Adam. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and fill the earth and subdue it. And he's saying the same thing to Noah and his family, he's saying, fill the earth, be fruitful, be blessed. And I think that's actually a good, I was blessing the church this morning. I thought, oh gosh, you know, we have been so restricted and so limited in what we can do. And now it's a time to be fruitful. And so I'm blessing the church and saying, be blessed, be fruitful multiply, fill the earth. Come on, let's have this season of fruitfulness. And um, someone said to me the other day, and I've been using this in prayer as well, that when a thief was caught in the Old Testament, they had to pay back sevenfold. And we've lost a year or more of our lives. Let's claim it back. Let's say, come on then, God, let's have seven fruitful years. We've had a year of restriction and limitation give us some fruitful years give us some years of blessing to count to uh kind of be what's the word recompense there's a there's a more modern word than that but it's like to compensate that's the word compensate for what has been stolen good morning mike and pat and wills and so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall come upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. This is really interesting because remember, God didn't make that uh, thing to Adam. He didn't explicitly say to Adam, you can eat animals. Um, But now he's saying this to Noah, you can eat pretty much anything that's on the earth. You know, there's but just don't eat the blood in the animals. We're in chapter nine, Wills. Uh, don't eat the the blood that's in the animals. Now, if you're a Yorkshire person and you like black pudding, um, I guess you've found a way around that in your conscience. My parents discouraged us from eating black pudding because it's made of blood and the life is in the blood and God says don't eat the blood. So we, yeah, anyway, there you go. That's just, I think we've got to kind of find our way through that. But the God was making a really important point here. He was saying, the blood is where the life is, and I want you to respect that. And this, of course, is speaking volumes as we go forward and we understand about the sacrificial system. And then we understand about Jesus' blood, how the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And God wanted to make a point that there that there's something special about the blood and therefore we don't drink it. And we kind of respect that. So we bleed the animals that we eat and um, so on. And that's where the idea of kosher comes from um, and halal in Islam. So, uh, but he's saying, listen, all these animals are going to be afraid of you. There's going to be a dread and a fear coming on 
<laughs> Kathy, yes. Um, uh, there's going to be a fear and dread coming on the animal kingdom because of you guys. You are now officially the apex predator on the earth. And every other animal, even the lions and the tigers and bears and all the rest of it, those big guys with loads of teeth and uh, crocodiles and all that lot, they're all actually intimidated by us, which is really interesting, isn't it? And sometimes I think we kind of wish it wasn't like that. We'd love to be able to stroke a nice cuddly lion and, oh, isn't he cute? But there is this thing that God set up as Noah emerged from the ark. These animals that had been his companions for a whole year were now going to look at him with like, Ooh, are you? oh, wow, I'm scared of you. Go away. And so there's this sort of mutual suspicion, isn't there? And we, anyway, we can talk about that forevermore. It'd probably be interesting over dinner, <laughs> over steak and chips. Um, uh, so, <laughs> right, where did we get up to? But he's saying, I give you everything, but don't eat the flesh with its life. That is the blood. Verse five. And for your lifeblood, listen to this, for your lifeblood, human being blood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. He said, and we, here's this understanding that life is sacred. And this is why he says it. So verse six, he says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man, his blood be shed. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man, shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. So here we have this, this um, really, really, really important theological, theological statement that, that God made man in his own image. We are here to represent God on the face of the earth. Noah and his family, they are here to represent God on the face of the earth and therefore there is a holy sacred aspect to human life and even when an animal um, takes a human life God says I'm gonna get that animal I'm gonna punish that animal and he says you need to enforce this and actually in this is how we come by capital punishment because it's a recognition that human life is sacred. Now, isn't it interesting that we have departed from that and we also have legalised abortion and we've legalised lots of things that kind of devalue human life. And we say, oh, you know, it's not really a human life yet. It's not really properly human until this particular time or this particular time or this particular time, right up to the time of delivery. And, you know, there are there are big, these, these are big issues. And right back here at the beginning of the, 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 season, the kind of epoch of Noah, if you like, as it unfolds, God is restating these things. He's saying human life is sacred. It's important to me and it needs to be important to you. Remember, Cain. God has said, if anyone touches Cain, I will avenge the blood of Cain. Now, the promise, that is a promise. And what God is saying, Cain, you don't understand it, but you are a sacred being. Your 
life is important to me and I'm going to avenge your life, even though you've done a dreadful thing, I'm going to avenge your life if anyone comes after you. And he says the same now. He's saying, listen, this promise that I made to Cain, I'm actually extending it over the whole human race and so much saying that actually if anyone violates that, then they will have me to answer to. This is really, really important. Good morning, Angela. So, <clears throat> where are we? Do you know what? I turned all the notifications off on my computer and it's still pinging. I don't know how it, oh, it's just annoying. I tried to get everything set up just perfect and it was something still hijacks it. So, whoever's pinging me, stop pinging me. Right, I'm losing all my papers now. Righty-ho. Let's put that there. Sort myself out. Right. So, um, whoever sheds the book. Anyway, verse 7, he, he says, And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. This is so interesting that God is making this promise, not just to Noah and his family, but to the woodlouse and the earthworm. And the, I don't know, the butterflies and the dragonflies and the hippos and rhinos. He's saying, listen, you guys, listen, creation, this is never going to happen again. I'm never going to flood the whole earth and destroy it in this way ever again. I'm making a promise to you all. And then God said, this is the sign of the covenant. So a covenant is like we have in marriage or a will and last will and testament. It's a binding promise. It's non-negotiable. We are saying, I marry this person. I'm, you, we marry each other for life. This, this is a lifelong commitment to each other. It's an exclusive relationship. And these are the things we're kind of vowing to keep and God says I'm making a covenant I'm using your language I'm using something you understand I'm making a binding agreement now God is never gonna lie he's never gonna change his mind so when God promises something it is absolute he's committed to it and he's not gonna change his mind on that and so this is, but this is really beautiful. Verse 12, it says, <clears throat> God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, that's the rainbow, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the covenant, the, the everlasting covenant between God, every living creature of all flesh 
that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now, this is an everlasting covenant that God has made. This covenant between the earth and God is everlasting. So while the earth remains, this is really important, there will be a day when there's a new heaven and a new earth where God makes all things new. But until that time, he's not going to flood the earth now and destroy everything. Now, we know that sea level, they tell us sea levels are rising and they will rise because of the change in the climate and so on. That is different to a global flood. It's a problem, particularly if you live in low-lying land. It is a problem. We're not, I'm not trying to minimise that or take away the realness of people's life challenges or our responsibility in that whole subject. But I am saying that God is not going to flood the earth and destroy it again in that same way he did before. Because he's promised it, he's bound himself to it, he's made an everlasting covenant. It's really interesting that with every covenant, there is a sign. The, the covenant God made with Moses, he gave them the sign of circumcision so that every time a Jewish man looks at himself naked, he, he is reminded of the covenant. He's reminded that he belongs to God in a very, very special way. And he carries that sign on his body 24-7 till the day he dies. He is marked by the sign of the covenant. He has a reminder. And the rainbow in the sky is exactly the same thing. Is there. What's the rainbow for? Is to remind us. Yeah, we know it's a prismatic effect of the light hitting the raindrops. So what? The circumcision is done by a human being. It's not even scientific particularly it's not even a scientific phenomenon or a meteorological meteorological phenomenon <laughs> it's it's a human artifact if you like but it's there as a reminder of God's covenant and so God says do you know what I'm going to remember it I'm God isn't going to we said that didn't we we said that yesterday God isn't going to forget the covenant of course not but the rainbow there is a reminder to us that God is faithful. So every time we look out and it's been torrential rain and then we see this kind of dark slate grey sky with this gorgeous iridescent rainbow across it. And we know that God is faithful to his promise. Do you know what? As well for me, whenever I see the rainbow, I don't just think, oh, yeah, God's not going to flood the earth. But I think, no, God is, has made a covenant with me through Jesus. And that stands that stands for all time. There's nothing going to change that. God's faithfulness, nothing's going to change that. God's love for me, nothing's going to change that. All of his promises that he's ever made in Jesus are yes and amen. And every time I look and I see this gorgeous rainbow, I'm thinking, come on, Jesus. Yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Hallelujah. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Guess who's getting excited? Right, here we go. So this promise is to the woodlice and to the ants and everybody else that lives on the earth and the lions and tigers and elephants and all those guys, but to you and me. So then he says, verse 19, uh, verse 18, the sons of Noah, <coughs> excuse me, who went forth from the ark were Shem, oh, Shem Ham and Japheth, Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah and from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. And 
anthropologists and stuff have done done the work they've made it all fit together and they identify how the different nations and people groups um emerged and appeared from these three um fathers patriarchs and um, which is really interesting and i'm not qualified to comment on that whether it's accurate true whatever but they say and even the names are significant and carry over and develop into the names of great civilizations that we will have heard of <clears throat> so uh, noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard he drank the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent and ham the father of canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside then shem and japheth took a garment laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father their faces were turned backwards and they did not see their father's nakedness when noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him he said cursed be canaan a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers he also said blessed be the lord the god of shem and let canaan be his servant may god enlarge japheth and let him dwell in the tents of shem and let canaan be his ser servant after the flood noah lived 350 years all the days of noah were 950 years and he died he was old wasn't he right here's the point here's this is a very strange story so it would appear that ham or possibly his son canaan from how the story is told went into the tent and noah was drunk granddad or dad noah was lying there incapacitated through drunkenness having made some wine and he'd kind of let go of his inhibitions and was lying there compromised and it would seem from the story and from everybody so many many people have commented on this story to try to understand it and it would seem that they have uh, that people surmise that when Noah says he saw what um, he knew what his younger son had done to him the implication of this story is kind of wrapped up in euphemisms like nakedness means he's done something sexual to Noah now someone told me the other day that some people think that Noah and his wife were naked or something and this this boy committed incest with Noah's wife his mother or whatever I whatever went on it some would say that this this boy did something sexually to Noah um while he was incapacitated kind of some incestuous homosexual goings-ons we don't know but it's implied that it is more than just oh boy granddad's naked or dad's naked look at this oh gosh try and erase that from my memory <laughs> because sometimes and, and i guess the point of this story is that for them the, this expression nakedness uncovered is much more than just having a glimpse of your dad's bare body when he's lying there incapacitated or just got out of the shower or whatever it is that you know we might accidentally see someone 
Um, but it would also seem that Ham or Canaan, um, whoever actually, whichever one of them it was, was kind of lewd and wrong about how he spoke to his brothers about their dad and all the rest of it. And so Noah brought this curse on Canaan. It's interesting that he doesn't curse Ham, so it makes you question whether it actually was Ham that did the deed or whether it was indeed Canaan, the grandson of Noah. Anyway, so this this curse that um, he will be a servant has been very misapplied and misappropriated and is being used to justify slavery and racism and lots of very, very evil things. And so it's really important that we don't take scriptures like this and use them to justify godless, prejudicial, uh, unbiblical behaviour. And uh, But at the same time, Canaan was the land that descended into the most appalling idolatry and that God did require the um, Israelites to come in and clean out the land from the dreadful practices that were going on there when they came when they themselves came out of slavery in Egypt and so the you can see that there is a kind of fulfillment of this um, curse there as as Canaan and his descendants lived on the earth they were not a blessing to anybody um, and so but God blessed Shem and Japheth and said, you know, you guys are going to do really well. And Noah went on to to live another 350 years after the flood. So he was an old guy when he died. This is an amazing story. There's so much to think about. I think probably for me, the take home is going to be about the rainbow and about the faithfulness of God. But we must, you know, that is really good to see the these intricate stories as they unfold and the implications going forward to the um, people that who emerge from the line of Shem who will become God's covenant people and uh, we've got lots more exciting stuff coming up as we saunter through Genesis the book of beginnings so do like this share it get your friends listening they, they're all coming up on YouTube. They're all also appearing on my podcast, which you can find. Just type in Sauntering with Paul White podcast and you'll get those. I just want to say this, two things. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm not going to be here the next day, but I will be here again on Sunday. So if you could just make a note of that. No sauntering tomorrow live. You can listen again. Um, no sauntering Saturday. Um, but I will be back on Sunday. I have to go to Sheffield for a funeral of a dear friend. So God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing day. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. 
And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.